Lily Flag Signal, Episode 10, Jesse James Never Robbed the Bank Downtown. When I was in kindergarten, my class took a walking tour of downtown Huntsville. One of the stories told on that tour was that of the Backwards House, a story which stuck with me so well that I made it into the first full episode of this podcast. Another story from that walking tour was that of Jesse James and how he supposedly robbed the column-fronted bank on the southwestern corner of the downtown square. As you've already heard from the episode title, though, that robbery never occurred. It's one of those stories that pops up every now and then that I, as a person with a podcast, feel compelled to try to set straight. The only reason I'm even feeling compelled to bring up Jesse James is that his brother, and yes, he had a brother, was taken to trial here in Huntsville in 1884. Over the years, it seems, the story of the older James brother being accused then acquitted of robbing a Corps of Engineers payroll has slowly morphed into people claiming little brother Jesse successfully committed a robbery downtown. The actual story of the Corps of Engineers incident and trial of the century is far more interesting, in my opinion, than an imaginary bank robbery. So even if you already know that Jesse didn't rob the bank, we've still got about 20 more minutes of history nerd to talk about this week. If you feel like your sibling gets all the credit for what you do, or maybe you get away with things because everyone is blaming your sibling, this episode is for you. We're going to be talking about Huntsville's role in the tale of a man the newspapers at the time called, quote, the noted outlaw whose name has been a terror in this state and is familiar throughout our land, if not the whole world, end quote, and whose Huntsville trial was front page news in the New York Times. First, though, I want to give a mention to We Are Huntsville. I was so glad to have them reach out about sponsoring this season, since I legitimately use and enjoy the calendar and blog posts they share. If you're looking for something fun to do this week or want to read up on local events and new businesses, I recommend checking out their website at wearehuntsville.com or their social media at wearehuntsville. Oh, and by the way, the brother's name was Frank. Signal, a history podcast about Huntsville, Alabama, where we're struggling to keep up with all these trials of the century. Seriously, there were a lot of them. If a Victorian newspaper could sell more copies by hyping up a court case, they would. And thus you'll see the phrase thrown around all the time. It's not in any way breaking news nowadays that one of the James gang members, even if it wasn't the famed Jesse James, was taken to trial here in Huntsville, but at the time, trial of the century in North Alabama in 1884. I also want to point out, I'm not going to glorify any of what Frank, his brother, or the rest of their gang did. These weren't sweet, innocent brothers having some bro time. They stole a lot of stuff and killed many people. But I'm really only going to go in-depth on the robbery in which no one was injured here in North Alabama. So, who was Frank James, and how did he end up in Huntsville? Well, Alexander Franklin James, yes, Frank is short for Franklin, was born in 1843 in Missouri, and his brother Jesse was born four years later. The James brothers grew up in a southern sympathizing household and were teens when the Civil War began. They joined a group of now notorious bushwhackers, as in guerrillas, not like the beach drink, under a man named William Quantrill to fight against the U.S. There's a lot to talk about with Quantrill's raiders, particularly regarding the massacre they carried out in Lawrence, Kansas, but that's outside the scope of today's show. You should definitely look it up, though. Once the war ended and the James's side lost, they became outlaws and formed the James Younger Gang. The gang was around for about two decades and had a somewhat rotating cast of criminals, including both Frank and Jesse James, Cole Younger, Robert and Charles Ford, Bill Ryan, and Dick Little. That's borderline Games of Thrones number of character names, I know, but you'll be hearing them again. So fast forward through a lot of crimes, arrests, etc. to 1882. 
That's when Jesse was shot and killed by Robert Ford, as referenced in the Elton John song, I Feel Like a Bullet in the Gun of Robert Ford. Every man has his price, and there was a $5,000 reward for Jesse. That was in April, and by the end of that July, there were already books for sale in the Huntsville newspapers about the incident. Too soon? Anyhow, in October of 1882, six months after his brother's death, Frank realized he should probably turn himself in. As quoted in the Huntsville Gazette, he said, quote, I have surrendered because I wish this to end, and to prove as I can that for four years I have been a law-abiding citizen, end quote. He added, quote, I do it for my wife and child's sake. I am in your hands, to do with me as you see best, end quote. The thing is, though, once you turn yourself in, you now have to answer for whatever crimes you've been accused of. Frank first stood trial in Missouri in 1883 for murder, then, as the Huntsville Gazette put it, quote, Frank James is indebted to the Gallatin, Missouri jury for a verdict of acquittal, end quote. That trial was also called the trial of the century at one point. It was then onwards to Huntsville for Frank, as he had also been accused of robbery in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. I'm a little over two pages into the script, and I'm just now getting to the Huntsville connection. Um, good grief. Anyway, Frank was accused of taking part in a robbery in 1881 near Muscle Shoals. The Army Corps of Engineers was building a canal out there, meaning there was payroll to collect and distribute. According to a historical marker near the site of the robbery, which has the smallest font of any historical marker I've ever seen, quote, on March 11th, 1881, Alexander G. Smith, paymaster for the camp near the mouth of Blue Water Creek, traveled to Florence to pick up the payroll. He collected a total of $5,290.18 from the Campbell Banking Company. On his return trip the next day, Smith was robbed by three gunmen. They took the payroll, plus his personal money and watch. Smith was forced to go northward toward Tennessee with the robbers. Later, they divided the money, returned Smith's belongings, and released him." End quote. In the summer between Jesse James's death and Frank's surrender, James gang member Dick Little was brought to the Huntsville to be tried for his part in the robbery. It was August 1882, and Little was ready to talk. There was a lot of drama amongst the James gang members in the early 1890s, and by drama I mean murders and betrayals, so Little was ready to testify against his fellow comrades in the name of immunity. He confessed to being complicit in the Muscle Shoals robbery, among other crimes, but said that the actual robbers themselves were Frank and Jesse James, as well as a man named William Ryan. It's worth mentioning that Little, along with the Ford brothers who were responsible for killing Jesse James and then performing reenactments of the killing for money, also testified against Frank in his Missouri trial. Frank's defense attorney there went so far as to say there was no case without Little's testimony. Gang drama. The Huntsville Independent had an incredibly detailed article about Little's arrival to town, including his appearance. Quote, he has a way of holding together his neat, jaunty, and graceful person as though he would be perfectly at home in the most splendid vestments, end quote, and, quote, his eye that is brown in one shade and hazel in another is his special feature. Women, and men too, would admire his eye, which, however, has more of the furtive gloss of the cat than the piercing straightforwardness of the emblem of freedom known to the craggy heights of his native country in Missouri, America's own proud bird, end quote. What in the fan fiction is that writing style? Anyhow, Little got a bit of reputation as well a stool pigeon of sorts. This will come up again in Frank's trial. Once Frank's various Missouri trials were over, it was time, in February of 1884, to move him to Huntsville. As The Independent put it, quote, Frank James may be brought to trial here in Huntsville before the federal court is removed. Exclamation point. We suppose, too, that if the robber and murderer is permitted to pose on our streets for a few days, he will rival the miscreant little in the affections of a few. End quote. Uh, okay. In terms of who all to try for the Muscle Shoals robbery, Frank was the main attraction. Jesse was dead now, and the other accused man, William Ryan, was already in jail in Missouri. 
All around Huntsville, people were losing their minds over the fact that celebrity outlaw Frank James was in town. I've read rumors that some of the more affluent citizens would stop by to meet him or even check him out of jail to go with them, but I've not been able to find any first-hand sources on those. I did find a listing in the Gazette where people were asking him to do public lectures, and another notice in the Independent where he said he was, quote, annoyed with daily propositions to go on a lecturing tour, end quote, and, quote, prefers a seclusion similar in some respects to that which he now enjoys, end quote. So that's why podcasting is the best of both worlds. I'm lecturing publicly, but I don't have to be in public. Frank definitely got a lot of visitors, though, including a band serenading him outside the window where he was being held. He wrote in one letter to his wife, quote, I had just folded this and in the act of sealing when it, to my surprise, the Huntsville band came under my window and discoursed most elegant music. I take it as quite a compliment, end quote. People were visiting Frank inside the cell, too. From that same letter, quote, Mr. Sloan and General Walker say I have succeeded in winning the sympathy of everyone that has come to see me. I am very proud of the compliment, end quote. Dude was making friends in jail. On the other side of things were the articles making fun of Frank James and how his, quote, dime novel reading admirers, end quote, would be upset to know he, quote, has to fare like a common prisoner, end quote. This is even funnier when you consider that Frank himself wrote to his wife that, quote, I am very well pleased with my quarters, end quote. This would have been the Huntsville Jail on the northwestern corner of Clinton and Green Streets downtown, and I've not found any other writings by any other prisoners saying that they were pleased with those quarters. The General Walker reference in that previous letter was Leroy Pope Walker, the Secretary of War for the Confederacy 20 years prior. He was one of Frank's defense attorneys, and seeing how the James brothers were well known as having fought on that side during the Civil War two decades prior, Frank was able to pull the good old Southern gentleman card on the jury and the general populace alike. And yes, Leroy Pope Walker is indeed a descendant of Leroy Pope, the man who bought much of the town where Huntsville now is. But that's an episode for another time. Walker knew how to win over a jury, too. Frank James wrote to his wife that, quote, General Walker says he would rather have you and Rob in that court when he makes his speech than to have two of the best lawyers in the state to make speeches without you, end quote. Rob was the seven-year-old son of Frank and his wife, Annie. In a 1926 retrospective, Walker was described as, quote, the leading criminal lawyer of Alabama. Magnificent in appearance and unsurpassed as an orator, he could play upon the emotions of the average jury as easily as John Philip Sousa and his band can soothe with the strains of real music, end quote. The Frank James trial was heavily covered in Huntsville newspapers, luckily for me. In fact, the advocate had to put a disclaimer in their paper that, quote, the report of the James trial takes up so much of our space this week that we are compelled to leave out a large quantity of interesting local news, end quote. They published the full proceedings of his trial, meaning everyone in Huntsville who had to go to work or whatever instead of attending the trial of the century could still follow along. Here are some highlights. Since these were the days long before security cameras and GPS trackable cell phones, the case really hinged on finding people who could positively identify Frank as having been one of the guys they saw after the robbery. Keep in mind that this was three years after the robbery occurred. The Corps of Engineers paymaster, the man who was actually robbed, said he wasn't even sure Frank was one of the robbers. From the Huntsville Weekly Democrat's recap of the trial, quote, He described the three robbers and their horses and thought the defendant was one of them, but was not positive. Four other witnesses from the Muscle Shoals vicinity said they saw three mysterious horsemen on March 10th or 11th and described them and their horses, not altogether agreeing therein, and thought the defendant one of them, but were not positive, end quote. Apparently, one of the witnesses, a saloon keeper, said he'd only recognize the culprit if he was wearing a slouch hat, since that's what the robber was wearing, and in a very Perry Mason move, they actually had Frank put the hat on and let the witness walk back and forth in front of Frank to see if he recognized them that way. In the end, he said he still wasn't sure. 
quote, If you did the robbery, you ought to be punished. And if I was satisfied it was you, I'd say so. Your nose and forehead looks like the man's, but I shan't say you are the man. End quote. Dick Little was really the only one who seemed fully assured that it was Frank, along with Jesse James and William Ryan, all acting under pseudonyms, who was there for the robbery. Just as with the Missouri trial, Little was the star witness of sorts, and the defense attorneys tore him apart. The question wasn't whether or not Frank was involved in the robbery, but rather if anything Little said could be trusted at all. Let me see your pardon, was the first thing Walker asked of him in the cross-examination. He was hoping he could convince the jury that Little was just testifying in exchange for a pardon for his own crimes or to protect himself. If Frank was in jail, then Little wouldn't have to worry about running into him and having a confrontation. Little was adamant that, regarding pardons, quote, I had one, but tore it up. Didn't read it. Didn't keep it five minutes. Never showed it to anybody. Had no use for it. Which was no good for me. I didn't ask for it. Was given to me without asking. Was It was volunteered to me. End quote. I want to note that that's not an amalgamation of multiple statements on his part. I'm reading the published transcript verbatim. It kept going. Here's another back and forth. What did they want you to do? I don't know what you were talking about. I got it because I was discharged. Didn't they give it to you to testify? No, there was no contract. No understanding. Not at that time. I got a pardon in 1877. Got it long before I knew Frank and Jesse James. Was never tried again except in this court. Walker goes on to have little talk about how he was tried for conspiracy for the same Muscle Shoals robbery and that his sentence was suspended. Then that he testified against Frank previously. Reading the transcript, it was pretty clear how the defense was setting Little up to look like he's just there to save his own neck. They later asked, quote, Did you not agree with the authorities to become a witness if they would protect you against prosecution? End quote. And, quote, Have you not said you wanted Frank James convicted because if he got out he would kill you? End quote. Little said yes to the former question and no to the latter, but now the seed had been planted in the jurors' minds. I'm fascinated by that defense approach. Obviously, this man is lying about my sweet, innocent client because he's rightfully afraid my sweet, innocent client will murder him. It worked, though. Seeing as how Little ended up spending so much of his time on the stand defending himself, and how none of the other witnesses were completely sure Frank was the one of the men involved in the robbery, and how the defense team was able to find many people claiming Frank was a lovely man who was not anywhere near the Muscle Shoals at the time of the robbery, the Huntsville court found James not guilty of the robbery. This really wasn't a surprise, and the papers called it from miles away. Like, literally. The Gunnersville newspaper said, quote, His trial has created much interest, but we predict an acquittal from what we can learn of the prevailing sentiment. End quote. As soon as he was acquitted, though, he was rearrested and taken back to Missouri for yet another trial. After all this, Frank genuinely stopped doing crime, as far as we can tell, and became a farmer for the last 30 or so years of his life. Even if you're not into checking through historical court transcripts or newspaper reports, this story is actually incredibly easy to fact-check. There's a historical marker near the site of the robbery itself, and another at the Eustace and Green Street intersection in downtown Huntsville, as that's the location where Frank James's trial was held. While these aren't primary sources by any means, this is an easy way to set the record straight on who was involved in this story. But the real debate for many is this. Did Frank James rob the payroll? Well, I'm not here to say if I think Frank James was guilty or not. As far as I'm concerned, that's thoroughly irrelevant to the story at this point, as... One, this isn't exactly a true crime kind of podcast where we pick apart court cases that determine innocence and guilt like armchair judges and juries. And two, what matters most to me from a historical context is the way this story has blossomed into such a point of local history, even if so many retellings seem to get the story a little wrong. If I learned anything from researching the Lily Flag episode, it was me talking for 20 minutes about a famous bovine, check it out, it's that people in the Victorian era were just as prone to misspellings and miscommunications as we are today. I genuinely lost track of how many ways they spelled that cow's name in various reports and letters. 
In researching this episode, I saw at least four different spellings of Dick Little's last name from newspapers at the time. The majority of these instances, people aren't intentionally making things up when they incorrectly retell a story. It just happens sometimes. Human memories are weird. So when did people start claiming it was actually Jesse James who came through Huntsville on trial? I can't say for certain, but at some point, people's retellings dropped Frank altogether from the tale, it seems. Then this got repeated so much that even the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the very group Frank James and his gang were accused of robbing, have an article on their website claiming it was actually Jesse James who led the robbery and then was tried, despite the fact that the trial took place well after his death. This information abounds. It's honestly a better story on the surface, and I can see why it could catch on to say that Jesse was the one who was on trial in Huntsville, or even better, that the robbery occurred in downtown Huntsville itself. More people know who Jesse James is versus Frank nowadays. In doing research for this episode, I requested a box of materials from the Huntsville-Madison County Special Collections with a folder labeled The Trail of Frank James, thinking it was more newspaper clippings or maybe other court documents, just to find that the entire folder was about an early 2000s stage production put on by Theatre Huntsville called The Trial of Frank James. So the publicity hasn't fully died down from that trial of the century. Both James brothers were household names in their day, but... Problematic as he was, Jesse's the one whose name better stood the test of time, it seems, probably because of his dramatic death. Even a 1927 yearbook in Huntsville, the Bradleyan from the school at Merrimack Mills, has a reference to one of the students being a historian interested in Jesse James. As someone who retells historical stories, I totally get that desire to have the most exciting, crowd-attracting, dare I say, clickbaity sounding tales, but, and this is just me ranting here, embellishing history in the name of getting attention for yourself is a disservice to everyone involved. People are also more apt to remember a story if they're already somewhat familiar with the characters, but that doesn't mean the memorable version of the story is necessarily the better one. But hey, there's a reason this episode has Jesse James's name in the title instead of Frank's. Even if there's no big lesson from the Frank James trial, other than, I guess, some insight into how to get out of robbery charges if you find yourself time-traveling to the 1880s, there's still a lot to be said regarding the importance of fact-checking and, you know, actually reading the historical markers around town. Huge thanks again to We Are Huntsville for sponsoring this episode. You can find them at wearehuntsville.com or social media at wearehuntsville. And while you have your phone out looking them up, go ahead and follow the podcast on Instagram at lilyflagpodcast. It's L-I-L-Y-F-L-A-G-G podcast, two Gs in flag. You can also get transcripts for all the episodes on the show website, lilyflagpodcast.wordpress.com. Again, two Gs in flag. It's on Instagram or through the contact info on the website that you can send in your Huntsville history questions. I'll be doing a listener request episode in March, so get those queries in. So far, we've got potentially rotating train depots and watercrest-based tourism campaigns, plus even more weirdness. So send me your niche questions, please. Thanks for listening. Until next time, don't rob any banks, cite your sources, and I'll talk to you soon.